Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. We are a small church located in West Lafayette, Indiana. This podcast is our recorded Sunday morning teachings. Join us as we learn to love, grow, and share what God has given us. Well, good morning, everyone. Get that last little cup of coffee and come on in. Good to see you this morning and uh, braving this weather. Usually what I have is this little dialogue that I have with internationals in the fall. And the word is, this is chilly. No, I mean, they say, this is cold. I go, no, this is chilly. But this morning, this is cold. (laughs) This reminds me of somewhere... Back in northeast Nebraska, when I was raised that when somebody asked the question yesterday, was it cold like this all the time? I go, no, not all the time, but a fair amount of January to early February in northeast Nebraska is like this weather out here. And it was pretty rugged to go out and get the cattle, because that was my job, was to go get the cows in every morning about 5, so we would have everything done before we went out to school. So yeah, <laughs> this this morning was cold, not chilly. So we're going to start a new series this morning, and I have a confession to make, okay, so um, one of the most important things about interpreting scripture is to make sure that you go for context, context, and uh, so we're starting Second Peter here this morning, and I don't remember even the last time I ever studied Second Peter, it's been quite a while, I probably was much younger, much thinner, um, had you know a lot more hair that looked more like probably Aaron Claypatch. It was dark, you know. Um, although after he has a baby, there'll probably be a few gray hairs that'll sprout up in there. Um, but it was a, it's been a while since I've been at it. And when I was studying for this Second Peter study, the context that came up was, oh, this is in the midst of some not so fun times. Um, Peter is writing a letter to people who are, are experiencing some pretty hostile actions toward their faith. Um, and so as I read it the first time and as I studied it the first time, you know, where I was coming from was self-improvement. Oh, man, this can be fun. You know, I can look at diligence. I can look at faith and I can look at virtue and I can look at godliness and I can look at all these things, steadfastness, and I can improve my life so that I will look better as a Christian and... Um, so as I studied this passage, Scripture this morning, as we jump into Second Peter, um, it's obvious that Peter is writing this to a bunch of folks who are experiencing some pretty hostile stuff. Uh, so like Peter's uh, first letter was probably written around 64, 65 A.D. And that was the time in which people were basically having, you know, there was some, oh... Um, derision, uh, rejection, uh, there was some name-calling going on, so it was, you know, some mild hostility toward Christianity. So then you fast forward 36 months, about three years, when uh, Peter writes the second letter, and things have progressed, not in a good way. So we've went from the rejection type of stuff and name-calling to now where they are actually being thrown in prison, and in some cases, executed for their faith. 
the Roman government sees Christianity as a, as a threat and wants to stamp them out. So where's Peter at in the midst of this? Well, we're not real sure. There's a possibility of two things. Either he was in prison already by this time, he knew facing he knew the outcome of his faith, or he was in a hideaway place where he was listening for footsteps of Roman soldiers coming to find him. Um, so at any way, what you look at is Peter says, you know, maybe it's time um, I realize from Jesus that my days are numbered on this earth. And so he goes, you know, I need to write a letter, a letter to encourage individuals who are going to face some pretty bad times how to face that, how to get through that when I'm gone. And so uh, it's interesting, Peter is dealing with, in this letter, we will we'll go through a number of things. He's going to deal with a faith, he's going to deal with truth, he's going to deal with false teachers, and end times. So he's going to talk about all those things in light of, of, of what's going on. I think the encouraging part is this, is that you and I can read this book, and we don't need to be fearful of what's going on. And I think that's the same idea that Peter is sharing here as well, is that, okay, guys, yeah, it's going to get rough. There's going to be some hostility toward us. But we don't need to fear. There are some things that you and I can look at and we can think about together in these times of testing. So this morning, let's, um, let's begin by jumping in here. Um, by the way, there are notes out there. So if anybody wants notes, anybody wants a pair of notes? Um, Mitch is standing back there. He would be happy to bring you a handful of notes. And uh, so we're going to fill in these blanks. I know for some folks that they don't like to fill in the blanks, but that's okay. There are some of us who like to fill in blanks. And, uh, but there are some discussion questions at the end of these notes and scriptures too, so that you don't have to go looking them up. But the questions are meant to try to encourage you uh, just to think a little bit deeper about what we're talking about here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read the verses that we're going to look at this morning. And then we'll talk about, we'll have some prayer. And then we're going to jump into here for a simple outline. So is, here we go, as Stephen Curtis Chapman says. Um, Simeon Peter, this is from the ESV, by the way. Simeon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith equal standing with, with um, ours by the righteousness of our God and Je Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue with knowledge. 
Knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted, is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Another version says you will never stumble. Wow. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the beginning of this new semester, this new year. Thank you, Lord, for Second Peter, for this, this book, <clears throat> How to Do Life in Our World. Lord, give us grace to hunger for your word. Lord, give us grace to understand and desire to do your word. Lord, give us grace just now to focus. Because there's probably some things that maybe have gone on this week. I don't know what those things were. <clears throat> what those things are. It could be car troubles. It could be um, class troubles already. Uh, it could be uh, relationship issues. But Lord, we ask you, God, just to help us right now not be distracted. Stay on track this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to start off on this by reading the last two verses of Second Peter. These are the key verses of this book. Okay? And this is what Peter says. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, so all this stuff that you've heard, Knowing all this that you've heard beforehand, he says, he says this, Be on your guard, so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So this, the key to this one here is growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. Um, so, and I think that um, one of the things about today, this is all about, is interesting, is it's helping us to learn to do what, what Peter said way back when. And that was in the first book when he said, or in the first letter, he said this, he said, stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Okay. So, here we go with what we're going to talk about this morning. Growing the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's that look like? Well, there's a little glimpse in these first 11 verses. The words grow. Don't sit still. Don't fall away. Stay steadfast and grow. In the culture that is increasingly hostile, okay, you and I don't need to fear that. That's one of the things that I think, when I was younger in my faith, that's one of the things I really did fear was, boy, things are going to get hostile. I'm not going to like this at all. 
I just want life to be happy, you know, joyful, dot, 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 all kinds of blessings. But, you know, God's word does tell us that there's going to be hostility coming. But I don't need to fear that. I don't need to fear that. I got two things that are really good for me. One is God and one is his word. <laughs> I have a relationship with God, the God of this universe. And he's a God who's really for me. So don't fall away. Stay fed, steadfast and grow. Grow in a culture. Because the culture needs you. It needs me. We need to appreciate this fact as we go through Second Peter. Everything that Peter tells his audience and us is to be seen in the light of that persecution, but we don't need to fear it. So we can get through this toxic living situation by three things this morning that we're going to see. Profession, progression, and purpose. Profession, the outline is, is up there. Profession, embracing a true faith. Progression, growing in character in that faith. Purpose, staying focused on being salt and light in that faith. And then we're going to have one final thought this morning, but I'm going to hold that. I'm not going to tell you what that one is. So if you're following along in your notes, the first point there is profession. It's about professing a true faith. Peter was noticing, just like I've been noticing here lately too, is that there's an attack on the gospel and it was no different in his day. There were all kinds of versions of the gospel. Satan doesn't like the gospel, so he needs to pervert it. He needs to change it so that you, you have that feeling, oh, yeah, it's okay. Um, but, you know, and I don't know how many versions of the gospel you've heard <laughs> in, in your time. Um, you know, I've, I've heard versions such as this, oh, everybody's going to heaven. There's none of this stuff that says there's hell or that, anything like that. We're all going to heaven. We're all, all going in the same direction. And then I've, we've gotten to the point where I've heard this, you know, well, you, you, can, you can pray a little prayer, and you're in there. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not sure that's the true gospel. But then I hear such things as, well, you know, you can, you, you got to be baptized in order to be saved. You can pray prayer, but you got to be baptized. I'm going, hmm, I'm not sure the verse, the word teaches that. And then there's, you know, there's just a plethora of other things too, such, you know, you saved, but. And then they add something into it. You got to do this and you got to do that. So there's a lot of versions of the gospel. What is the true version? Simon Peter says this, he goes, you know, to those who obtained a faith equal with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you and the knowledge of God. Peter tells the followers that only true faith will see you through these hard times. And I like the different versions. I went through that this week. ESV calls it an equal standing. The New American Standard says it's a faith of the same kind as ours. I like NLT. It says it's a precious faith. It's precious. Something to be really sought after. But then the message says this, describes it as a life-changing experience. Okay, so there you're, you're fill in the blank there, faith as a life-changing experience with God. I like this one. Peter's faith is rock solid. All followers of Jesus need a rock solid faith, an anchor that won't be shaken by the events taking place around us. 
That faith happens as a result of a life-changing experience. And it's God-oriented. When you read those verses there, this is what Peter says, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We sang that just a little bit ago. And it's true. It's by God's righteousness that we're saved. It's not ours. It brings us access to grace and peace. That's the one thing that I think I walk around with every day that I recognize that Jesus gives me peace. In this world out there, there's no peace. They're striving for peace and they'd love to find peace, but it's not happening. And peace comes in the knowledge of God. So it's a relationship. It's heart knowledge, not just head knowledge. God brings me into relationship with him and anchors my heart so that I have the ability to withstand anything and everything, and no matter who brings it. I love that part. No matter what he can throw at me, you know, Satan can throw at me, even death, I don't need to fear. Because you know what? Death is not the end. It is a transition into his world where he waits for me. In this world, I'm waiting for him. But in that world, he's waiting for me. That's true hope, folks. True hope is not expecting a long life. Not expecting a long life, but rather expecting an eternal life. Write that in your notes. I didn't write that in, but it came in this morning. I was like, wow, this is really good. True hope is not expecting a long life, but rather expecting an eternal life. That kind of faith helps me weather the storm of opposition. So as I leave point number one this morning... Ask yourself some questions here. These are not my questions, okay? But ask this. How is my profession of faith? Is it anchored? Is it anchored in God's righteousness? Are you excited about your faith in light of opposition that's around you? How excited are you about your faith? Has anything rocked your faith lately? Um... Boy, I'll tell you what, um, there's some things that got rocking this week earlier. I went, went down to, uh, well, I went down to the department, the ROTC department. Some of you know that I'm a chaplain there. And I thought, well, yeah, this will be fun. This will be about a 20-minute visit, no problem. This turned out to be an hour-and-a-half visit. Man, there were some hurting people in that department. And, and I was just listening and listening and listening, all the stuff that was going on. Um, they don't have much faith, and so their world was being rocked. But mine's not. And I'm excited to share with them that, you know, I can pray for you, and, and I'm here to talk about it if you want me to. I'll listen if you want to talk about it. So how about your faith? Are you experiencing faith, peace? Is your faith resulting in a life-changing experience with God? It is dynamic day in and day out. It's authentic. It's a faith for the storm. So then next, after all those questions, <laughs> Peter says this. He says, I, I want you to think about progression. And we call it growth, but I'm going to change it from you know, growth to progression. So here's what I want you to think about for a few minutes. We've got two babies on the way. And the two mothers-to-be are sitting right down here in the front row. 
when our, those two babies are born, you realize that they will have genetically everything that they need for life. Their challenge, those babies' challenge is going to be to progress from baby to childhood to adolescent to teen to adult. Grow up. That's how Peter begins this next word looking at. He goes, you know what? Think about this in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. When you and I were born into God's family, we have everything we need. That's what Colossians 2.10 says. Paul says, we've got, we're complete in him. It's backed by God's divine power. Not my parents' power, not my pastor's power, not my friend's power, and not my church's power. It's backed by God's power. His divine power. We can look around us and notice that power is a big thing. I mean, if you've lived a while like I have, there's people around me that were pretty charismatic in a lot of ways, and people were drawn to them. Politicians have power. Bosses have power. Government leaders have power. But Peter was facing all of these, and he looked to God's divine power. It's the power that rules over the universe. The power that God has granted us to grow up in life and godliness. Just like babies who have everything, we have everything, but aren't able to crawl, walk, or run right away. So we have everything too, but we still need to learn how to crawl, walk, and run in the way of faith. Why? Because it's important to face the storm. How? Well, I really like the next part. Peter says, in addition to the power, God's given you promises. God's given me promises. So God has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption as the world because of sinful desire. Those promises have a purpose. I was reading this morning. I don't remember how it came up. I was just, I was looking, I think I was looking through on, online headlines before I came here to see if there'd be something good for using the sermon. And there was. This, this book that just came out recently has 700 promises of God. That's astounding. <laughs> cover to cover, Genesis, Revelation. There's 700 promises of God. And uh, this book covers all of them. And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Promises, though, have a purpose. As Chuck Swindoll said, they're not for self-reformation. They're not for self-improvement. But they're for growing in God's divine nature. Here's some of the things that God has promised and given us. He has promised to give us salvation, and he delivers. God has promised his word to us, and it's amazing. His word is awesome. He's promised his Holy Spirit to us. It's a, you know, it's basically, it's inside of us. He lives inside of us once we become followers of Jesus. What a neat thing to have. He's promised his gifts. Awesome. I thought about this this week earlier. He has promised me his intercession. It says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God and is there making intercession for you and I. 
He knows everything about you, and he's praying for you. Jesus, every day, is praying for you. He's promised us his strength, and I need that. Mine's strength is pretty limited, but Jesus, nope, it's not. He's promised me his comfort. Wow, that's pretty cool. He's promised me his comfort, and sometimes I need that. Um, you know, it, was, it, it became a reality for me this week. Or the, yeah, yeah, this week, I think, or last week, maybe it was one of the two. Um, this, was, this was probably one of the harder times for our family for Christmas this year. And I thought, well, what's going on? And then it just kind of hit me as I started to think about this that, you know, um, Penny's, she doesn't have any immediate family anymore. Dad's gone. Mom's gone. Her brother's gone. And so it was a hard Christmas for her in a lot of ways. She had some happy memories of what things went on, but she doesn't have a family to share that with, an immediate family to share that with. She's got me. I'm a pretty good substitute, but not the greatest, you know. But we got the comfort of Jesus in there. And it was really just good to, to reflect on that, is that, you know, um, even though we look to our human beings to, and our friends to come alongside of us, they don't often do that real well, but Jesus comes in there and comforts us. Finally, is hope. He gives you and I hope. And that's what I think Peter is talking about this morning, is that, you know, he gives us hope. Man, that's amazing. God wants us, with all of these promises, to be just like him. Not like the world and a stinking, reeking mess. He wants us to escape that morass. The more and more you and I grab onto God's promises, the less and less the world has its hold on us. I, uh, I heard an illustration not too long ago about God's promises that Jesus is not a vending machine. Okay? So you don't just plug the promise in and you get, you know, get what you want from Jesus. What really happens is this. I was just thinking the illustration the other day and I took it a little step farther. I said, here's what happens. You plug the promise in and in it goes and out comes you know, what Jesus is giving you and that's his heart, not just his hand. He's not giving you a handout. He gives you his heart. And those promises are all about that. It's about his heart. So the more and more you and I grab onto God's promises, the less and less the world grabs onto our heart. The less and less the world appears great to us. It's a stinking, reeking morass is what it is. I am thinking that the best relationship in the world is Jesus Christ, and when he gives me his promises, it's amazing. The world corrupts and tears us down. God's will, God's heart, God's promises, his ways build us up. It's life-changing, and grace does that. All of God's promises are amazing, precious, and very great. They are on the same plane. And this is what I was thinking about earlier. This is kind of fun to really reflect on this. They are on the same plane as God's word in Toto. You go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and it came into existence. That's pretty powerful. That's amazing. But his promises are just like that, folks. We need to recognize that. 
grab onto that. Those promises have that same creatorial power. They are amazing. They're precious, magnificent, okay? God simply spoke, the beautiful world, and God gives you a promise, and it's the beautiful world for you. Those words are powerful. So we have power and we have promises. Well, what do we do with that? Well, we aren't to just sit around. Peter says this, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. There's where I got stuck, man. I looked at all that stuff, and you know, being the kind of guy I was and how I was wired, I went, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm going to go to work on this. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, I recognized, nope, that's not where God's after. So from what I remember, the focus of my study was self-improvement, kind of like New Year's resolutions. So I asked a question on Friday night, how long do your New Year's resolutions last? I got one honest person in the group. She said three months, and I go, that's pretty good. <laughs> Most of us don't last more than a couple of weeks with what we set for, for New Year's resolutions. But the point is that change is only temporary. As I read verse 5 and, and all the rest of these things that was on that laundry list, I got excited about that, but, you know, and I went after diligence, I worked on knowledge, and I worked on self-control and endurance, godliness, and da-da-da-da, all that stuff. All with the idea of improving my Christian life so that everybody would look at me and go, wow, he's pretty amazing. Well, that's what they thought, but I, what I knew inside, it wasn't true at all. See, I was just being a good farm kid trying to cultivate my field so I'd be a good, fruitful follower of Jesus. You know what I found out? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Peter didn't give us this list in order to make a master sheet of growth. Let me say that again. Peter did not give you this laundry list in order to make a master sheet of growth. The key here is found in the word faith. So if you go to your number two there, first of all you had progression, and now you have faith doesn't come by self-effort. It comes by grace. Grace is that undeserved stuff you know, that we get from the Lord at salvation. But the secret here of grace is locked up in faith. Grace from faith means participating. That's what it means. It means working with the Lord to put those things into place in your life. Jesus works them into your life at his will. So as we go along in life, he cultivates that stuff into the fabric of your life. All of these things. And he does this through different events and different happenings. So what I was thinking about this morning, as I was, just want to share with you, is don't rush out of here saying, okay, I'm going to try to work on these things. Here's what I'd like to share with you this morning. Rush out of here and say to Jesus, okay, this week, as I go through this week, what things are you going to bring into my life that are going to help me to learn to be diligent? that are going to help me to be more godly. That's going to help me to be more steadfast. Um, who are you going to help me bump into that's going to help me to, to learn to be steadfast, to have brotherly love, to have true love? Because then that's when I start to cooperate 
with Jesus and not doing things for Jesus. And there's a difference. It's one, one to be God-oriented and the other one to be self-oriented. And when you're God-oriented, then you just go through the day and you say, okay, what's going on? Who do I need to talk to today? And what do you want me to do? And when he brings somebody into your life, you're saying, okay, <clears throat> what's this all about? So there's a, that's what I call encountering the Lord, having a ex- life-changing experience. All of these are listed in order for you and I to grow. That's what the idea is. Jesus is going to cause the growth if you want to work with him. And that will help you then as you start to think about how to face the opposition because Jesus is in the driver's seat. He's there. So, isn't it amazing? <clears throat> Get ready for point number three here. When you think about it, we have a well-anchored faith. We have a resident divine power. At your fingertips, precious promises. And a Holy Spirit developing character in your life. Because that's what I was trying to say here is that, you know, if you go through the Holy Spirit-led life during the week is when he brings events and people in your, in your life and you say, okay, what are you trying to teach me? What is this all about? As I cooperate with you, what are you going to be building into my life? And for what purpose do we do that? Well, verses 8 through 10 will tell us that. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So point number three is purpose. That's what that's, fill that one in, purpose. So far we have profession, we have progression, and we have purpose. Purpose, okay. Two words stood out as I, I read these, these two verses. Ineffective and unfruitful. I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want to be ineffective and I don't want to be unfruitful. I want just the opposite. So his purpose, here we go, his purpose for us is to be effective and fruitful in our faith journey. No matter whether you're facing opposition or not, truth, faith results in standing firm and being influential. Salt and light. So it's kind of pointed as we you know, consider that this letter was written to help us stand firm in a hostile world. Peter tells us the list above is to be alert to developing virtue in your life. <clears throat> now, that's an interesting verse, or an interesting word. So your faith add virtue. Your faith add into that. What does that word mean? It means courage. That's what the Greek word means. Virtue is courage. Courage to keep the faith. Courage to focus on the divine power, which is not visible sometimes as much as the power demonstrated around us. Courage to hold on to God's promises, not the world's promises. Courage to focus on the future. Peter says, nearsighted. That's a person who, you know, only think about the here and now. And that's pretty easy in our world, isn't it? Just think about the here and now. We've got to think about tomorrow. We've got to go to work. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. Go get groceries. We've got to do, you know, we've got to eat. All kinds of stuff that we can get worried about right now. But Peter says we don't want to be nearsighted. 
We need to focus on the future. No matter how hostile the current world around us is, Peter tells us to confirm the calling and election. That has nothing to do with your salvation. Calling and election are different. How many of you have a calling? Have you ever thought about that very much? Living out your faith journey. What's your calling? And Penny and I have been talking about that recently. Not because we're getting old and because we're probably getting closer to a situation in which we may do a life change in our, in our world. But we're just asking Jesus, what is it that you really have called me to do? What is on your heart? I'm starting to get some <clears throat> starting to get some ideas about that, but I'm not going to tell you about it this morning. I will probably let you know as we go on. So see, stay tuned. You got to come back. For Penny and I, it's really it's getting it's really getting excited because we are sensing more and more what He's called upon our lives are, and we're doing that, living out our faith journey, staying steadfast to what you know the Lord has called you to do. Peter says, if you do that, you're never going to fall. You'll never stumble. You're not going to trip up. Your path is going to be clear. You're going to be ready to face the storm. Now, I have one final thought this morning. Like I always do. I always have a final thought. Here's that final thought. It's found in verse 11. It says this, For in this way... There will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a verse about hope. It's a verse about hope. Hope to hang on in the light of facing the storm. It says God is going to provide you an entrance, not just a rich, an entrance, but a rich entrance, a rich provision into the eternal kingdom. The word that comes to my mind here is assurance. Assurance. Peter says in this way. Well, what, what's, what does he mean by that? Well, I put a formula up. Okay. Thought about this week. Profession plus progression plus purpose plus, oh, there's a blank, equals assurance. We have a profession, true gospel. We have a progression, growing in the knowledge of God. We have a purpose, being salt and light in an increasingly hostile world. And I have heard the other day that the forces of enemy are gaining ground. But we didn't need to be fearful. Because, because we have a secret. That secret is the missing part of this formula above. That secret is focus. Focus on eternity. Focus on what is ahead. Focus on Him and not ourselves. Focus on his internal kingdom. He has a place for you, a place that awaits you and I. Keep your focus on eternity, celestial, not terrestrial. I've been thinking a lot about that, you know. Scripture does, Paul tells us to, you know, focus on what's going to happen. Focus on eternity. It's been kind of fun lately, you know, I've been listening to the, uh, Song by Mercy Me. He says, you know, what's it going to be like? Am I going to sing for you? Or am I going to fall down on my knees? I don't know. But, you know, I am thinking about what it's going to be like to be with Jesus. That's what this is about. 
It's about a relationship. It's about trust. If you and I don't trust him, then we think in ourselves and we focus on down here. But trust means I look at him and I go, you know, I'm in your hands. You got me. You got me totally. So the word this morning is stick close to him, not to the world. Go for a close encounter with Jesus every day. Profession, progression, purpose, focus, that will give you assurance. You and I should be able to stand firm. We should not be shaken by anything that's happening. God's made for you a provision, a lavish provision for you to enter into his eternal kingdom. Don't downplay that. That type of security cannot be found anywhere. So in, in this way, Peter says, profession, anchor your faith. Progression, cultivate that faith, that courageous faith. Purpose, pursue your faith calling. And then finally today, focus. Keep the view of your faith on eternity, on Jesus, not on what's going on here. Because that retirement is out of this world. It's better than the one I've got from Purdue. Believe that and live it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. There's truth. Anchors our faith to face the storm, Lord. Anchor my faith to face the storm. Anchor our faith to face the storm. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Your grace to stand firm and grow versus run and shrivel. Lord, help us pursue our faith calling. Help us keep our eyes heavenward. Help us to learn what you have for in this book in the coming weeks. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website, wlgrace.org. See you next week.